It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brad Stevens talks about social change and admiration for his players who are taking part in protests. Plus, we continue our deep dive into the Boston Celtics 2007-2008 championship. It's a Wednesday Locked On Celtics podcast. Millie, let's go. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. John Corrales here thanking you once again for joining a Locked On Celtics podcast. Brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, covered in chocolate, but not a lot of calories, all the protein. No extra sugars, no extra carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com. Try it for yourself. $10 off your first purchase with the promo code LOCKEDON. Today, we'll continue our discussion of the 2007-2008 Boston Celtics. More on Kevin Garnett. And we get ourselves to the first round series with the Atlanta Hawks. In the middle of that, some interesting stats about how much Ray Allen actually sacrifices a lot in the next two segments. But I want to start with the Zoom conference call that was held between Brad Stevens and the media. He talked a lot about the current situation. Uh, I said what I had to say last night. If you missed that, please go back and listen to the Tuesday podcast. There was no Monday podcast. Today, Tuesday, as I'm recording this, Brad Stevens talked, I'd say about 80% of it was about the situation, the protests, uh, the other stuff. I'm cutting out the return to the NBA, uh, the Disney questions and stuff like that. Uh, Nothing really new there. Uh, I wrote about some of that. If you want to go to masslive.com and read about it, That's where you can go check that out. But I'm going to play for you now all of Brad Stevens and what he had to say, his praise for Jalen Brown, his praise for the players, the things that he thinks need to change. Uh, So here it is, Brad Stevens addressing the situation. A number of your players have been been involved in, in some of the recent protests, Coach, and I just wanted to get your general thoughts on their involvement and engagement in in that process. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been great. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, as and paying attention from afar, but also having those, having individual conversations with everybody on our team and knowing, you know, obviously, um, what's happened, uh, has been appalling and been brutal and been hurtful and painful. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, I've said this many times, I think the NBA is amazing. Um, and I think our players are amazing and we're lucky that we have such great people representing us with the Celtics. You know, it's just, um, I can't say enough good things. Uh, just, uh, to follow up on that a little bit of, not just from the Celtics, but from your perspective of of what's gone on the last several days, uh, really the last week, but it's intensified obviously in the last several days and just kind of where you sit on, on everything we've heard some, from some NBA coaches and just your thoughts on, on what's going on. Yeah, again, I mean, uh, extreme sadness, um, 
and obviously I think the, um, that a lot of people feel in the, the pain and, and then transfers to, to anger. And, you know, I, I wrote a letter to our guys, um, you know, this weekend. Um, and it took, you know, it took me a while to put down exactly what I wanted to say, but like, I think the, the thing that I, I wanted them to know is that, you know, every decent person is hurting. Um, every decent person uh, feels the pain of, of the African American community. Um, but I also don't want to pretend like I know the exact distinct pain. And so what I wanted them to know is I'm with them. And, um, you know, I thought that was really important and, uh, I'm really, again, you know, so it's so great to see so many guys so active, but I know a lot of the guys, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys that, um, you know, everybody's hurting, let's put it that way. And so, um, you know, the leadership that they've shown is, is terrific. And hopefully, hopefully the most important thing, Dan, is that, you know, we can have short-term healing, we can have near-term gains, and we can have long-term sustainable action that, you know, creates change. The league is um, predominantly young black men, but the league's power structure is overwhelmingly white. Um, at a time like this, when um, young black men around the world, around the country, are fighting for a piece of the power, a piece of um, equality. What do you do on a personal level and what can the league do to help achieve better balance? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think from, from my own personal standpoint, John, first of all, I think the players have done an amazing job of leading and also, you know, taking, taking control of their, their careers, being um, vocal on what's important to them. And the league, I think generally um, has done a really good job of embracing that and, um, you know, um, really encouraging people to be active. And there's no question that, like many other leagues, those those things have to be addressed. The one thing that I that you know we were on a coaches call with all 30 coaches the other day, and you know one thing that I heard from a number of coaches was is that you know as white coaches we have a lot of responsibility here. Like it's this is you know obviously um, there are um, we may not be able to know the again the depth of the pain of the colleagues that are black or our players that are black um our assistants that are black um but we have a responsibility to be not only empathetic but to be to help drive change right and so that's that's something as you saw in the coaches association statement you saw it in the celtics statement i mean again this is we we have all been in these conversations before um, and, um, and you're, you're moved to, to drive change. And sometimes actionable steps lead to, um, what you think is progress, but this sure doesn't look like progress. And so what we need to do is, um, play our part, um, and make sure that we're part of long-term, um, sustainable change. 
how much do you being you you've got a basically a roster mostly of young black men coming from different backgrounds and I'm sure it's the same at Butler where you have to try to know uh the guys you recruit and the guys who play for you which you also don't relate as much um because of the differences to Jalen or Jason or Marcus how much do you try to know that and get to know them on that intimate level how much do you learn from them how much do you what's the fine line from trying to act like, Hey, I know what you guys are going through. Yeah. You really don't. Um, because you're trying to be, make them feel comfortable. And how much do you have to just listen to them and say, okay, whenever you're ready to talk to me, I'm, I'll listen and understand and I won't judge. Yeah. And, and, and also be, you know, I think aware enough that I may not be the person that somebody turns to, right? Like, but it's important that we continue provide resources all across our league, our organization, so that they do. And I hope that all of our guys feel comfortable should they choose to do so. Yeah, I've been in a lot of those conversations, Gary, and we were in a lot of them four years ago. Obviously, when um, Kaepernick was taking the knee prior to the season. And from those three weeks of training camp, um, being able to sit in those meetings, being able to listen to our guys, I think that gave me – a whole new um, understanding of just how much change is needed. And at that time, you know, as an organization, we tried to make sure that we were doing our part again to create actionable steps, but there's no question everybody's got to do more. And so again, I think, you know, being able to be a listener, um, hearing, you know, our players talk about profiling, talk about discrimination, being empathetic towards that, but also being able to acknowledge that again, you know, I may not know, right, the depth of that, but no, I'm with you. Like, if you need me, I'm here. Um, and we've got a lot of people that are here and we want to help. Um, and so that, that's the way that, that I approach it. Um, you know, and I think that that's, it's, those are really hard, right, conversations and, and things to talk about. I think, again, the pain that everybody feels, um, you know, has been there for a long, long time. And the lack of progress is, is too jarring. And so, you know, what we need to all do is do our part. And part of, I think, my responsibility in that is, yes, listening and learning. Wanted to get your thoughts on, on a sense of pride for just your players in the community, uh, what we saw from, from Jalen you know, being willing to drive all the way down to Atlanta, you know, it's something that was important to him. Also, the uh, the players in Boston who have really embraced, you know, maybe what what being in Boston means to them, going out and and peacefully being a part of the people. Well, I said it earlier, like I couldn't be more proud to to be in the NBA, to be with the Celtics, and be surrounded by the people I get to go to work with every day. All that they do, you know, not only in front of the camera's eyes, but all that they do to lead and find the right. Um, you know, to lead for what's right, I think is really impressive. And, um, you know, again, I, I'm just honored to be um, a part of that team um, of those guys. And, you know, we, we, we do talk about, you know, the idea of real leadership, right? There's there, a lot of people can be followed and sometimes people mislead and, you know, and, and divide and, um, you know, do things in their own self-interest. And then the real leaders, you know, unite people and, 
and are doing things to simply promote what is right. And I think that our guys are um, amazing in that regard. And I think that extends throughout, you know, um, the, the players and the coaches all across the league. It's just a, it's a real inspiring group to be around. And listening to Sean Grandy talk about uh, Jalen um, on the Sports Hub yesterday, just what he was saying about how he thinks Jalen's going to go on to bigger and, and things in life. Just he could be a senator, he could do so many things. Just your thoughts on when you heard that he got in a car and drove 15 hours down to Atlanta for what he did. And also to follow up what you were just talking about, in, in, in our family, we're having discussions about what's going on. I was wondering, you know, you don't have to say too much uh, if you don't feel like it, but just what the discussions have been like in your family, with your family, with your children about what's going on. Well, the first question uh, about Jalen, um, yeah, Jalen's Jalen's greatest impact, as good as he is at basketball, won't be in basketball. You know, I just think he's uh, he's a special guy. Uh, he's a special um, leader. Um, you know, he's smart, but he has courage. Um, he's got a lot of great stuff to him. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I think we recognize that, um, when we drafted him, but I think that he has, um, you know, been, you know, even more unbelievable every day, every year. Um, and, you know, I think I've all, I've always personally really enjoyed, um, listening to him, um, and talking to him about things outside of basketball. The, he told me he was going down there, um, on Thursday. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, um, you knew that he was, um, I certainly am not surprised by his, you know, him taking a leadership role. Um, that's who he is. And then as far as like talking to my kids, um, that's a good question. You know, I think one of the things that I think, and, you know, Tracy and I were talking about this a little bit. Our kids have only grown up around basketball teams their whole lives. So again, they've, they've been around a diverse set of people, um, people they look up to and friends, um, forever. Um, and, and one of the things I think we, we've talked about needing to do a better job of is talking to them about not everybody's growing up that way and not everybody sees the world, um, in that way. And it's important that you know, we understand that we use all the good that we feel and are helpful in promoting the right change. And so I'm really, it's been really, um, you know, uplifting to listen to my kids the last couple of days. Brad, continuing the theme from last night, same idea. Listen, we need to listen when we don't have that same depth of knowledge. We listen to the people who do. They are the young men and women of color who have experienced this firsthand, who have experiences that most of us listening do not. And those of you who are listening who have, then we want to hear your story too. That's how we're going to make changes. We want to hear the truth. The truth is what's going to get us through this. That's basically it. Follow the truth. Understand what's happening. Listen to those who have those shared experiences. And let's work together to make a change. We have a unique opportunity in this country. We really do, and we've blown it for so long. We really have blown it. We have so many different cultures, so many different people, and we continue to ignore all of these different perspectives. If we are inclusive, if we bring everybody to the table, treat them equally, 
Do you understand how many money, how many good ideas we'll have? How many different perspectives on anything you want? Any idea? Pick a pick a topic. Pick an issue in America. Start with police brutality. We can go into war. We can go into farm subsidies. We can go into pay disparities. We can go into welfare. Anything. Pick any issue. The more variety, the more different perspectives that we include, the closer we're going to get to an answer. Or at least a compromise that accomplishes most of what we're trying to do. There's so many people that maybe we can't accomplish everything, but we're blowing it. We have so many different cultures, so many different people, men, women, gay, straight, black, white, ethnic diversity, gender diversity, sexual identity diversity. All of these people have different perspectives. They see the world differently. If we combine all of that, we're going to have such uh, a better opportunity to get things right. So let's get everybody to the table. And let's listen to each other and let's fix this. I I, I don't want to say that it's easy because getting to that point is not easy. But if we could just get to that point where everybody's at the table, man, we'll unlock so much. We'll truly unlock America's true potential. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We get one step closer to that championship, 2007, 2008. More next. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've talked to you a lot about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars on the market. I like them enough where I went and bought some myself with my own money. I used the promo code LOCKEDON. I went to BuiltBar.com. I picked out a box of the peanut butter and then a mixed box, and I paid my own money. They did send me one for free when this whole thing started. I liked them enough where I went and paid my own money to get my own boxes of Built Bars. I like the fact that they give me the protein. The peanut butter ones have 20 grams of protein, less than 200 calories, very low sugar, very low carbs. It's a great start to my day. Protein bar and a coffee. I know people are using them after workouts. It's a delicious way to get your protein without all the extra mess. And like I said, I'm buying them myself so you know that I'm not just reading you stuff that's off of a script. I like Built Bars. 
I think you'll like them too. If you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, you're going to get $10 off your first purchase. Check it out. I like them. I think you'll like them too. But he was always at the same time, like, he wasn't just dismissive of every rookie or anything like that. He would famously buy the rookies' suits when they got to the team and be like, this is how you got to present yourself. You've got to present yourself as a professional. This is how you got to carry yourself. This is how you are in the league. So this is, you know, I'm going to buy you these few suits so you can look professional, you can look the part until you kind of get your money up and whatever. But, like, also understand that part of this is the hierarchy. You've got to earn your place at the table as well. Like, res- we have the mutual respect. We're going to go at each other. But, you know, the big dogs eat first, like he said. Like, And that was literal and figurative. Um, and, and all of this, we should point out that as we're talking about this 2008, 2000, 2007, 2008 season, this, this big magical season starts in Rome, starts in Italy, starts at this, this training camp that I, I think it's universally kind of accepted that this is what accelerated the entire process is almost like an incubator where, you know, Danny Ainge laid an egg and we put it in this incubator and it, it grows uh, and hatches into a champion. Like Garnett and Pierce and 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 Ray, they, they got no choice. KG and Pierce go back to like high school. So that's they already have a, a, a relationship. But all of these guys have to build a relationship with one another. And by being in Rome and at that point, you know, you don't you don't have like the same cell phone like capabilities like you're gonna pay like international roaming charges and all that stuff like it's not like it is now and and there's not like there's no instagram twitter is in its infancy so there's no like social media to take these guys to occupy these guys they all just gotta sit and talk to one another and to a man i think everybody will say that that training camp that preseason that started in rome is really what helped launch a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And that's where doc introduced Ubuntu. Yes. Right. Which became that theme, that selflessness. Um, the group, the, the team is, I mean, it's bigger than the individual. I know there's different, different terms to describe it, but it started there. And I do believe there was a duck boat ride with Paul and KG and, and Ray, right. Even before training camp, um, so, you know, like Mike was, was, was hyping doc for coach of the year, but, but, but doc's role started, you know, even way before the basketballs were being dribbled, right? He was, he was working on these guys and that's really doc's genius. Um, it's just getting that, getting the most out of veteran players and he did it and he just emotionally, mentally, he was, he, he put them in the, in the right frame of mind. So he deserves, he deserves a lot of that credit. Okay, so we've got training camp. We got. We understand now that the construction of this team now has is given the Celtics a a clear cut leader. The big three they fit. Uh, I feel like part of why they fit, and I think this is an important thing to note, is at that point. Um. These guys have been in the league for a while. And why part of part of it was okay, they're all in that same place in Rome and 
traveling around Europe to, and that helps kind of foster this camaraderie and chemistry. But at the same time, Ray Allen had been in the league 11 years, Kevin Garnett, 12, Paul Pierce, nine. They're all right around 30 years old or so. And they've all lost across the board everywhere they've gone or, you know, it's everywhere they've gone. Ray Allen's the only one that's played more than one team. But point is, they understand that they need each other more so than any construction of a super team that we've seen. Why the Miami super team didn't click right away, I think, because they were younger and more selfish. And a lot of these other teams with a lot of star players that maybe don't click right away, they're younger, they're more selfish. Even look at the, the Celtics team a couple of years ago when you have a, cu- a couple of young guys that had gone to the, the conference finals that are in their early 20s in Tatum and Brown, and, and they get a taste of this success, and in comes Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and, and Al Horford, and, and, and these guys are like, well, wait a minute. We're, we're, we've done a lot. Like when Kyrie comes in and says what he says and does what he does, there, it rankles these young guys. Um, they're not ready to give up any sort of like stature or, or anything like that. They're, they're like still in a prove I belong in the league mode. And I should, as an aside, say that basically every NBA rookie that comes into the league is thinking, I've got to prove that I belong here. And the first few years of a a rookie's career are trying to prove that I belong here. You even hear Jason Tatum saying, like, I wanted to go to Phoenix because I could get buckets in Phoenix. Like, that's that's the mentality. But when these guys came together, part of why KG, Ray, and Paul worked was, like, they were sick of losing. Every single one of those guys needed to sacrifice. And they all did. Ray Allen, Doc Rivers will say it all the time. Ray Allen probably sacrificed more than anybody because Ray went from like star player to basically the third of the big three. And mostly it felt like, well, he's kind of like, he became like the catch and shoot guy. But you remember the previous year in Seattle, he averaged 26 and a half points. And all of a sudden he went down to 17 and a half. In, in Boston, he lost nine points off his scoring average. What young player, what 22-year-old would be okay with losing 20, I mean, tr- losing nine points off his scoring average? Regardless of, hey, this team's winning, at some point he'd be like, um, I need my shots. I need my reps. And they didn't really go through that in 08. That's a huge factor in all of this. You know, I never heard that stat before. Uh, never really thought about that. I knew that Pierce's average point average had gone down from the year before to the championship year. I never checked on Ray. That's a lot of points to drop off, but no one noticed, did they? No. Nobody cared about it. They didn't. They certainly didn't, to your point. Uh, all that mattered was the end result. He went from taking 21 shots per game to 13.5. Wow. That's insane. That is a big drop. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! 
Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the Screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, Rejecting the Screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. They didn't have the younger players who were, who were out to prove. I mean, Rondo was a second-year player. He had a lot to prove, but for him, it wasn't about scoring or getting up his shots, right? He was just trying to run on offense, make the right pass, play defense. Um, so his, you know, his ego, it wasn't about him getting buckets. You know, Perk, he started a lot of games. He knew what he was, even at age whatever he was, 23. Um, maybe the one, you know, and so it's Ainge kind of building this roster. Maybe the one guy, when you look through the 15, it's Tony Allen, right, who who um, he started to get a taste of what type of player he might be able to be, got himself uh, injured, obviously, um, but he still played 75 games, right? So it was the year before that he, that he blew his, blew out his ACL, but he, he came back. Um, so he, he could have been the Terry Rozier here, um, possibly, and just, you know, been a bit more aggressive offensively. But my recollection of Tony Allen in this season is just being a, a strong defensive player. And I don't know, maybe he was just put in line early on, but I don't, recall Tony um pushing anything with his offense. He he had a role and and he played it. So like you said, it's just everyone coming together, guys coming together at the right time, Ainge putting the right players in in um players on the roster. Um you know adding PJ Brown was such a brilliant, such a big move too. Um so it just, you know, everybody was doing their, everybody did their thing. It, it really was, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, wow, like how rare can that be to have the right personalities, the right players, the right coach, you know, all, all that stuff come, come together. Um, and then be as they were just so dominant. They didn't, they didn't just come together and coexist or play pretty well. They dominated. It was funny, too, that they had such a veteran team. They had a lot of guys who were 30 or around 30 or above. And then when they added players, P.J. Brown, as you mentioned, and also Sam Cassell, they signed both of them as free agents in uh, right after soon after the trade deadline. They were 38 years old, both those guys. Yeah. So they yeah. got even more veteran. And, yeah. and it paid off, obviously. And Going to the playoffs, um, they were just so strong. And that's why it was a little nerve wracking to then have to watch what happened in the playoffs. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> after, after being uh, uh, the front running team for the entire season, they were never threatened in the regular season. And then suddenly in the playoffs, they're in two game sevens against teams that really had no business getting that far. 
I'm looking at their schedule from that season. They opened up with an eight-game winning streak. Uh, they had a nine-game winning streak, a nine-game winning streak, um, a ten-game winning streak, a seven-game winning streak. Uh, they they just rolled, and they rolled into the playoffs on a four-game winning streak. So they went 66 and 16. Then the playoffs come around, and this is – I've heard it put probably the most accurately the most lopsided seven-game series you're ever going to see because the Celtics come out in games one and two and just destroy the, the Atlanta Hawks. 104-81 in game one, 96-77 in game two. It just looks like, oh boy, just going to just trounce them. Now, the game three, game two was on Wednesday. Game three was on Saturday. So the Celtics, the big bad Celtics, who just dispatched the Hawks in two very easy games, got down to Atlanta, Georgia, on a Thursday and a Friday and had to play on a Saturday. So I don't know if anybody's been out in Atlanta, Georgia. I've heard it has some interesting uh, clubs. Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta, we talk about like L.A. nightlife is undefeated and the Miami flu. Atlanta's right there with it, baby. They have, yes, uh, some fine establishments for young, rich men to – uh, enjoy. And I, as much as there was, uh, oh God, they're, they're still, you know, the, the road could be, is roads, the road in the playoffs is so different. Celtics, this Celtics team has never experienced this. This Celtics team is also like going out and partying in Atlanta. No doubt about it. Um, so they lose to the Hawks. Uh, in games three and four, 102, 93, 97, 92. Then they go back home and win 110 to 85. Just a destruction. Go back to Atlanta, 103, 100, they lose. And then game seven, 99 to 65. Like, never in doubt, but like, scare the shit out of you by how they play it on the road. I don't think I was ever more nervous than I was for that seventh game against Atlanta because you had a dream season in the making and then it was all, it could all have gone away. It would have been the most humiliating loss of in history, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it would have been a, a huge waste of an opportunity. We would still be hearing about it to this day and forever if they had lost that game. And I was petrified of what might happen if they came out, you know, um, uh, came out and couldn't make shots or, you know, just flat. Fortunately, it didn't happen. Yeah. They say anything can happen in the game seven. So, I mean, I agree with you when you went in the moment, I was nervous. I was scared. Shit. Um, you can look back and you say, okay, well, all the home games were, um, were blowouts and the Celtics, but you know, there, you just generate questions like, why aren't they focused on the road? And I mean, we're not thinking about, you know, they're too busy getting lap dances. We're, why aren't they focused? <laughs> why aren't they executing? They're going to have to win on the road at some point. If they're going to get through the playoffs, right? So those, 
those are the narratives, you know, your favorite word there, Mike, that, that, that start to crop up, that it's only going to get harder. This is just the Hawks. If we're having a hard time with the Hawks, what are we going to do to the Pistons or the Cavs? So it definitely was a little chink in the armor, or maybe it just allowed us to be a little bit insecure. Um, as fans, anyway, I'm not saying the team was less confident, but we started to wonder, okay, this this isn't going to be the cakewalk that we thought. No, they lured us in. You know, they lured us in. They <laughs> they gave us a false sense of security with the regular season, and then suddenly we were scrapping for to beat a, a, a first round team. So it was scary. We were all scared by that Hawk series. And it gets a little worse because now LeBron is up next. We're going to continue this conversation tomorrow, Thursday, and then Friday, provided there's no breaking news. Might be maybe push it to Monday, but we've got the rest of the playoffs, that series, the finals against the Lakers. So that's all still coming up. Subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get it to your device. If you haven't, follow us on Spotify. Give us a good rating, a good written review. It's very helpful. I hope you guys are enjoying this this deep dive. I hope you're enjoying the 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 podcast and everything that that I'm saying on the podcast. And I hope that you're uh, enjoying it enough to share and, and tell your friends that they should be listening. I also hope that you're enjoying those built bars. I'm telling you, I I really do enjoy the built bars. And if you go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, you're gonna get ten bucks off your first purchase. So. It's worth a shot. Give it a try. And if you don't like it, send them to me because I'll eat them. I like them. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.